Alright folks, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. Part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I am not excited to discuss about this Denver Nuggets loss as the Minnesota Timberwolves beat the Nuggets. Second game of back-to-back for the Nuggets. Final score, 124-111. Here's the thing. So Denver sits Jamal Murray for this game specifically, so they have an opportunity to play this game and win this game. And then Jamal, for whatever reason, goes very passive in this one. I, I don't really understand that particular aspect of it. I'll be talking about Jamal and the bench a little bit more in the second segment. Uh, I'll focus in on the starters in the first. Uh, I'm, obviously, Jamal's a starter, but he spent a lot of time with that second unit. And I think that's a pretty big piece of what's going on with the Nuggets right now and why they lost it in the fourth quarter. Uh, obviously, they lost it at the end with their starters in. So it's not necessarily. Uh, all the benches fault or anything like that, believe me. Uh, there were a lot of guys that played below their standard tonight. But this was a game that was not entirely unexpected. Definitely one where I think if you are the Nuggets and Nuggets fans, you're like, okay, great that you got the win against the Boston Celtics, but against the team that was on a five or six, six game losing streak without a couple of their starters, including a star in Carl Anthony Towns, you're really going to put up that fourth of effort? 124 points allowed on this game. It's clear that Denver didn't feel the need to have a lot of energy and focus in this game. I think they thought that they could pull it out at the end, like a lot of the other times that they have. The thing about games like this is that it's a double-edged sword, is that you are always in a situation, if you are the Nuggets, where you are liable to take losses like this when the other team either gets hot or you just can't find that extra gear defensively. And Denver couldn't find either of those things. I think Minnesota got hot at the right time. They found the right matchups. And that's fine. That is that. That is what it is. You can't really control that. But what you can control is how hard you play and, and the focus that you per, that you have. And it just didn't seem like Denver brought it on the second night of a back-to-back. Let's start with the starters. We'll go to the bench in the second segment, and then we'll do a quick something-nothing or everything in the third segment on various stats and various records that the Nuggets have when certain things occur. But let's focus in on the starters. We're going to start with Joker, of course. He had a subpar game for Joker. 33 33 minutes, uh, 24 points on 10 of 20 from the field. Only four free throw attempts tonight, went to the floater a lot, wasn't necessarily looking for contact that often, and when he did get contact, there was a stretch in the second quarter especially where he just didn't draw any fouls, and he thought that there should have been fouls, and the Nuggets got blitzed in that second quarter as a result. Uh, There were a lot of transition baskets that were as a result of either Jokic turnovers or Jokic missed shots. And the T-Wolves took advantage of every single one of those opportunities. It was pretty clear uh, that Jokic was uncomfortable in this game at various points. Now, there's a couple of reasons for that. The primary one being Minnesota did an interesting thing with Kyle Anderson and Rudy Gobert. Kyle Anderson was the guy guarding Jokic for most of the evening. Rudy Gobert, when he was playing against Jokic was the rover. He was the guy who was the help side defender, not necessarily super involved in anything, 
more so there to patrol the middle of the paint, try to be a helpful presence whenever Jokic is about to shoot. And it bothered Joker. He was 10 of 20 tonight. He just barely maintained that 50% threshold. So it wasn't like it was like it was something that they couldn't overcome. If Denver had played any semblance of defense tonight, then they probably could have made it work. But Jokic tonight clearly bothered and clearly a little bit flustered. Five turnovers, only seven rebounds, including just one offensive, nine assists. Uh, had a couple of great passes. There's no doubt about that. And he's so talented that he's going to work through some of those things no matter what. But it felt to me like based off of the standard that he had set as the MVP over the course of this past couple months, this was not up to snuff. This was not the the level that I think he could have gotten to. And Denver needed more. They needed more on the second night of a back-to-back, and Jokic didn't really have much more to give. He looked pretty tired. He looked pretty slow. And there were a lot of possessions in the second half, especially, where Denver is just... uh, Actually, I think it was more first half in general, where he got stuck on Anthony Edwards for a couple of different possessions, and Ant just scored very, very easily in isolation. Not sure why he's getting stuck there, but to me, that... That speaks of a little bit of laziness on the entirety of Denver's roster where they don't match up well in transition and are instead caught in situations where, oh snap, Jokic is having to guard Anthony Edwards, who is an impossible cover for a player like Jokic. Edwards will get the green light to shoot those threes if Jokic sags off, and he is athletic and quick enough to get around Jokic no matter what. So... That was always going to be an issue. Uh, I don't think that the help side defense from Jokic tonight was great. He did get a couple of steals, but it just sort of felt like he wasn't really a part of what made Denver good tonight. Aaron Gordon, perhaps his worst game uh, this season. And you think, okay, 16 rebounds, Ryan, 12 offensive rebounds, 6 assists, only 1 turnover. What's the, what's the deal, man? Well, when you go 4 of 18 from the field, and most of those misses are right under the rim, just just point-blank misses where he's dealing with different contests, he's got a lot of arms that he's trying to fight through, whether it was Rudy Gobert or Kyle Anderson or Jaden McDaniels. Gobert was on him for most of the night as kind of that helper. And because Aaron Gordon was in the short corner, uh, the dunker spot for much of the game, There wasn't a lot of opportunity for Gordon to space the floor and and take Rudy Gobert away from the rim. So it clogged up everything that the Nuggets were trying to do, and they made it work sometimes. Like There were some great blind passes that Jokic threw, and uh, Gordon dunked it over Gobert in those situations, but those were few and far between. Four of 18 is horrible. It's absolutely horrible, but to make matters worse, this was a horrible Aaron Gordon defensive game. I thought he got torched by Anthony Edwards, Jaden McDaniels, Kyle Anderson, pretty much anybody else who went at Gordon tonight. Is it a surprise, given that Gordon had spent so much energy guarding Jason Tatum the night before? No, I don't I don't blame him for this. I'm just trying to really explore what happened and, and how those things came to be. Looking through a lot of the makes tonight. Gordon was the guy who was the primary defender, and Anthony Edwards broke him down one-on-one. Jada McDaniels had a move that was just like 
there's no reason that Gordon should have bit as hard as he did baseline. And then McDaniels gets back to the middle, finishes an easy shot over him. And there were just a lot of those possessions where it felt like Gordon was not necessarily engaged on that end of the floor. And that's like, that's tough. Like sometimes he is very engaged on that end. Sometimes he is one of those guys that is going to be a massive impact player in those situations. Tonight he wasn't. And I think it really affected everything that Denver did. He was the point of attack defender in a lot of situations where the point of attack defense really broke down. So that's tough. That's just kind of how the cookie crumbles in these situations. And Denver doesn't have the help defense behind him to really make up for the difference. Michael Porter thought he was fine tonight. Thought there was there was nothing really super notable about his game. He made the threes that he attempted. 18 points on in 27 minutes. Six of nine from the field. Four of six from three. Two of two from the line. Had only two rebounds, but when Aaron Gordon has 16, then that's that's not really my concern. Denver won the rebounding battle tonight. But it, it's I I don't I don't know. Like Gordon Gordon was and Jokic especially, those guys were such a focal point for what the Nuggets were doing tonight while Porter was out there on the court, that Porter just didn't really have a lot of opportunities to impact the game. He had a block. I don't even remember when it was, but he had a couple turnovers too. I know there was a bad one in there. It's just one of those things where I think the story of the game was so blatantly what Minnesota decided to do with Kyle Anderson guarding Jokic and that sort of throwing everything out of whack that Denver couldn't necessarily just run traditional Jokic Murray pick and roll. Or maybe they should have. Maybe they should have done that a little bit more and tried to set up Jokic in better situations where he could take advantage. Uh, they didn't do enough of that in the first half, especially. And it really stood out with the way that Murray approached this game. So I'll talk about that in the second segment. But Porter, he was he made his shots and he was fine tonight. He was only a minus four in a game the Nuggets lost by 13. So not going to berate him for any potential defensive mishaps. I thought that he was fine. I didn't think that he was the primary culprit. But his primary matchups tonight were Jaden McDaniels and Kyle Anderson. Both of those guys shot above 50%, combined to make five of six from three, were very, very impactful. It's it's not great. Definitely not great. And then KCP, 10 points tonight, 33 minutes, three of seven from the field. Didn't really feel the impact tonight. He had a couple, like he had a three on the wing after Denver ran a kind of a half-hearted fast break where they tried to get the ball to Murray. And then Murray neglected the catch-and-shoot opportunity and instead kind of drove into the lane, got it to Vlaco. Vlaco kicked it out for KCP for three. But I do think KCP was – he's one of those guys. He was questionable with the right wrist strain today, and he, he actually exited the game, was initially deemed questionable. I'm surprised that he came back on the second night of a back-to-back and decided to gut it out and give it a go. Clearly, it's giving him some issues and hasn't affected the shooting stroke that much. Obviously, he was 7 of 7 just a few games ago. Tonight, he was only 3 of 7, but 1 of 2 one of two from 3. Didn't feel like he had enough opportunities tonight to really impact the game either. Uh, I don't think that he did a fantastic job, but it's hard for me to point to him specifically. I thought that the breakdowns 
on Denver's defense were more so Gordon and Jokic related, and then the offense was so Gordon and Jokic-centric that it didn't necessarily feel like it was much of anybody else's to blame except for Murray, and we'll get to him in just a bit here. So I don't know. I wasn't really super impressed uh, with really anything that the starters did. It felt like a very apathetic game. I know that there was effort given. You don't get 12 offensive rebounds if you're Aaron Gordon without giving effort. That's definitely not – like that doesn't line up. But I do think that Denver in these situations relaxes when – especially when, let's say, D'Angelo Russell goes out. Now you're facing Jalen Noel. Carl Anthony Towns is already out. And it felt like the starters just didn't feel like they needed to play that hard. And the game came down to it at the end. And Minnesota made plays. They made athletic plays. They made shots. And the Nuggets just didn't. They kind of curled up into the fetal position a little bit in that moment. And that's kind of surprising. Uh, Murray in that situation has to really take charge, as he has in previous previous weeks. It just didn't really manifest that way. So either way, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to go over the bench lineups and stuff that I think is a little bit out of whack. We'll be right back. All right, we're back. Pickaxe and roll. Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Add this to your New Year's resolutions, win money in 2023 with Superbook Sports. Superbook is over three decades of sports wagering experience in Las Vegas, so you'll get the best odds anywhere as we head into the football playoffs. Plus, check out their special odds boosts and promotions at Superbook.com. Make 2023 the year when you win money from Vegas. Download the Superbook Sports app now and place your bets. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. All right, let's get to the bench here. But uh, first, I do want to address Christian Brown played three minutes. Christian Brown played three minutes tonight on the second night of a back-to-back when the primary matchup for the game was a hustling, physical, athletic wing that the Nuggets had to contain in order to win. And I just do not get it. I, I don't understand this one from Malone. I, here's what I will understand. The Nuggets, when they have nine players in their rotation and Christian Brown is the 10th, it's tough to play the 10th player. However, Christian Brown was a plus three tonight. He was playing well. He had just finished a dunk and the Nuggets were finding ways to succeed. The only reason he was in the game, now that I understand it, was because KCP exited really briefly with a questionable designation to return from a right wrist sprain. It was never Michael Malone's intention to play Christian Brown. And that is an issue. That's an issue to me in this situation when the Nuggets so desperately need defense. They put Bruce Brown on Anthony Edwards, and he got cooked. They put Aaron Gordon on Anthony Edwards, and he got cooked. I'm not saying that Christian Brown would have been better, but he's a better matchup in these cases when those guys are coming off of the second night of a back-to-back. Christian Brown's a rookie. He has energy for days. There's never going to be an issue with him having to manufacture it 
especially when guys like Gordon has to grab 12 offensive rebounds. Christian Brown isn't doing that. He doesn't have that responsibility. All he has to do is play defense and run the floor. That would have been the perfect opportunity to have Anthony Edwards be harassed a little bit by a player who he can't muscle around as much as he can, Bruce Brown, or shoot over in those situations. And Christian Brown is quick enough that he can't, that Anthony Edwards will try to get past him, and he might get him a couple times, but he would have had more success than Aaron Gordon did tonight. I feel very strongly about that. And because that's the case, I think if you are Michael Malone in this situation, why keep it at a nine-man rotation on the second night of a back-to-back? Why do that? What's the reason? Denver's in a tough stretch where they are trying to get these wins. And I understand that opening up the rotation often means, okay, you're, you're leaving yourself vulnerable in situations where the bench could be really taken advantage of. The starters were taken advantage of tonight. The bench was taken advantage of tonight. Nobody played well. Nobody has a positive plus minus tonight except the player that you played only three minutes. Bones Highland was a minus 15. He played well. It's the it's the bench. It's just the lineup. And it's a couple of other factors that really manifested in the second half, to be clear. But I just don't get it in this situation where you're trying to keep your team fresh. And I, like this is not the one where you have to tighten up the rotation in order to get a tough win on the road. That's not how this works against the Minnesota Timberwolves. You need a player who's going to give you maximum effort and who is going to execute what you're asking him to do. That is what Christian Brown would have done. Rant over. Okay. The Nuggets ran a primary bench lineup of Bones, Jamal, Bruce Brown, Vlako Chanchar, and Zeke Naji. Most of the time, I'd be like, okay, fine. Not a big deal. Definitely not an issue. Tonight, it was very clear that the Nuggets were super outmatched size-wise, where Bones, pretty undersized in that situation. Uh, Jamal, Bruce Brown at the three is very undersized. Jamal's fine at the two. Like, he can switch one through three, and it's fine. But Bruce Brown's even smaller than Jamal, and Bones is smaller than Bruce. So you're in a situation where you're trying to manage all of these different issues, and on top of that, Vlako Chanchar is at 6'8". Nathan Knight, who is the primary matchup against him, is even bigger than him. And Luca Garza was center-sized, like a 7-footer who's like 250 pounds. He made Zeke look very small. And when the T-Wolves had that much size, and they also could rotate in Rudy Gobert with the second unit, and Jada McDaniels and Kyle Anderson and Anthony Edwards, and they're just a bigger team in general. And the Nuggets had to match up with that. They had to find a way to match up with that on the bench. Unfortunately, Zeke Naji had zero defensive rebounds tonight. He boxes out and does such a, like, he works so hard in that regard. Definitely not trying to get out-muscled or anything like that. But Nathan Knight had four offensive rebounds. Jada McDaniels had two. Kyle Anderson had one. Rudy Gobert had two. Luca Garza had one. Luca Garza had a big one against Zeke Naji. And it just feels like when you play small across the board, it makes it difficult for a player like Zeke and for a player like Vlaco to manage the defensive glass. If you play small everywhere, 
That's just going to be a natural byproduct of that. So you've got to outscore the other team. And Denver couldn't really do that either. Bones went 4 of 7 from 3 tonight. Zeke went 0 of 1. Bruce Brown went 0 of 2. Vlatko went 0 of 2. Denver didn't get that positive shooting variance that they had been getting in previous matchups. Bones, I do think, had a pretty good game overall. 18 points, 7 of 12 from the field, 22 minutes, uh, 4 of 7 from 3, as I mentioned. Six rebounds is really good. Two steals is really good. He had a couple of steals and really managed things pretty well, I thought. Denver got good shots for the most part. Uh, I do think that there were times where Jamal didn't get good shots and probably could have done better. But for the most part, the rest of the bench got good shots that they just did not hit. And so that's one reason where you could feel, okay, maybe it's not that bad. Maybe this is maybe this is an overreaction. Second night of a back-to-back, everybody's tired, tough travel, yada, yada. Like that could be a reason. But I don't think they're being done any favors. And I think that the small lineup is really making things difficult for a lot of folks, including Bones, but especially Bruce Brown and Vlako Chanchar and Zeke Naji, where those guys are trying to be the defensive guys in a lineup that features Bones and Jamal. Bruce Brown has not been that. He has not been a good defender for the last month or so. And that's a that's a tough, harsh reality. But he is part of the issue when he is matching up with these guys and not really able to stop them at all. Like, it has been pretty clear. So, let's talk about Jamal now, specifically. I had mentioned him previously multiple times. Jamal took so long to get into this game. He took a long time to really start running offense. He got an assist to Michael Porter in transition in the first quarter. Uh, He took a couple of shots in the first half, only had one other assist in the first half. I'm going to assume that that was to Jokic on a floater. But it just felt like he never really ran pick and roll. He never really got into the flow of the game where he was looking to score. He was looking to put pressure on the opposing team. And it felt like he let the T-Wolves off the hook and really put his teammates on the hook this time. I'm a big Jamal guy. Like I, I am very supportive and very understanding of his situation where he is coming off of a torn ACL. That is a process. As somebody who has had to work his way back from a surgically repaired part of his body, like for me, it was my torn labrum in my throwing shoulder when trying to play baseball and and also play football where you've got impact sports, yada, yada. I think that I have a pretty good understanding of where Jamal is at, but I do think that he's at that stage where if he's playing these this many minutes and he's coming back and he is uh, fresh in this situation where the Nuggets had just had a big victory, I can understand why he'd be like, okay, I don't want to rock the boat. They did a good thing against the Celtics. I don't want to get in the way of that. But by him not playing his game, and he got in the way anyway, Denver was expecting things from him. And when you don't have that from from a specific part of your offense, it is going to shut everything else down. And Jokic, I thought, made bad decisions tonight because he's put into positions where he had to make bad decisions, where he had to make extra decisions that he probably shouldn't have had to make. He should have been fed the ball on pick and roll several more times than he was. 
Murray should have taken pull-ups from the pick and roll in the mid-range more times than he did. I think he took it like twice and made both or made one, missed one in the fourth quarter, something like that. It felt like Murray eased himself into the game tonight for reasons unknown, and it was clearly the wrong decision. The bench, everything was on Bones Highland for the most part. There were a couple of possessions where Murray got others involved. There were a couple of possessions where uh, Murray tried to do various things with as an isolation guy. But I just don't think that trio works of Bones, Jamal Murray, Bruce Brown. I don't think it does. And I think the Nuggets are trying to force something that really isn't there right now. Bruce is a good defender. He should be a good defender for the most part, but he is having to guard players that are bigger than him too often and just hasn't been very successful doing it. I think if you stagger a different starter than Jamal, Denver might be in a better situation. Bones right now is a guy that you have to have out there for his scoring purposes. I thought that his defense tonight was better in general. I thought the first half especially was really good. Second half was bad. Like, no no bones about it. It was definitely bad. Vlaco and Zeke, they got torched tonight. Nathan Knight, Luca Garza, Rudy Gobert, whoever it was on the interior, everybody scored. And when it wasn't scoring, it was offensive rebounds. And when it wasn't offensive rebounds, it was getting to the free throw line. It felt like those guys, especially in that third and fourth quarter, were really taken advantage of. And that's bad. That's bad. I don't think the Celtics did as good of a job of attacking as the T-Wolves did. But it really does show tonight where Denver, it appeared, was a half step slow on pretty much everything. Zeke, clearly not as comfortable tonight. Vlaco didn't make his threes tonight and wasn't really super involved in much of the game. So the bench was once again out of whack. The starters were the reason that Denver lost this game. Make no bones about it. But the bench did not help them, especially in that fourth quarter where things got off to a kind of a bad start. Bones hit a three here or there. I think Murray started off with a nice isolation turnaround, but that unit has to be better. Tonight, uh, the, the numbers are live for tonight. The Jokic, or not Jokic, uh, the Bones-Bruce-Jamal trio. That lineup has a 137 defensive rating. There's context in there that needs to be applied to various situations, so I'm not going to just say, hey, this is never going to work. But I'm very curious as to the situation that it would work, that the Nuggets are really, really shooting for in this situation. This seems like it would be a good team to match up with for that. Denver was going up on that second unit against Jalen Noel, Austin Rivers, Matt Ryan, Nathan Knight, and Luca Garza. And those guys were all positive. They were all really good. So it's tough. It's tough. Denver, they've got to be better. There's no doubt about it. Uh, Just didn't feel like it was a good situation to be in tonight. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to do something, nothing, or everything with various stats. We'll be right back.
right, we're back. Final segment, Big Action Roll. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. I know this was not a fun one to listen to, and I'm sorry. I, I get pretty uh, objective and depressing at times when it comes to games like this, but I try to hold Denver to a higher standard. I think that they deserve to be held to a higher standard. They were just ranked number one on the power rankings today by NBA.com, and then you go lay a brick against a team like Minnesota, which I'm sure ranked like 25th, there is no doubt in my mind that the Nuggets should have won this game tonight. They have the talent. They have the uh, desire, I think, to go get this win, but it just didn't really meld all together for whatever reason. All right, let's play something, nothing, or everything. This is a game that I'm sure people are familiar with. I'm going to read a stat And then I am going to give a determination, something, nothing, or everything on how much that stat actually matters. Uh, It's weird playing this game solo. Maybe I should have a a guest on at some point. That seems like a a rudimentary idea in this situation. But let's go with number one. Denver's record with Jamal Murray this season is 19-11. and Without him this season, it is 5-2. is that something, is that nothing, or is that everything? I think it's something. I think that Denver has the personnel to make up for Jamal Murray's absence. I think that that's one of the things that when you have a player like Bruce Brown, who as much as I've been talking about, hey, he's pretty small, he's not small for a point guard. He is perfectly adequate for a point guard size. And he plays really good on-ball defense against other guards, against small forwards, against bigger players. I think we're finding out some weaknesses here, and I think that was probably a difference in his reputation uh, coming from Brooklyn, but he has shown that he can run the offense or handle various offensive sets with as a ball handler, as a creator a little bit more, and then he can set up Jokic in situations where he needs to Or he just gets out of the way of Jokic, and Jokic runs everything, which that usually works too. So I think it's something that this is a thing, that Denver's able to win without Murray. And they've actually had some pretty good wins, to be clear. The Boston win stands out, of course. Uh, But you had the Golden State win at the beginning of the season. You had the Memphis game where Denver started Christian Brown as well. I think Denver can get a little bit more defensive on the perimeter and let Jokic just run the offense in those situations. One of those wins without Murray, though, it did come without Jokic and Gordon as well. That was a fluke game against Dallas. So if you want to just call it a fluke, it's 4-2. and two. But they're still being successful without Murray, which to me that says, hey, Murray, keep resting. Keep finding opportunities to rest, and then when you do play, make it count. Go get 20 shots. Go get 12 assists, whatever it is, whatever the numbers are. Just uh, can keep playing hard. Number two, Christian Brown. When he plays 16 plus minutes, the Nuggets are 12 and 1. When he plays 15 or fewer, the Nuggets are 12 and 12. So Denver has 13 such games where Christian Brown has played 16 plus minutes. Some of those times are hey, the bench is rolling during the situation, so we're going to give them some extended run. Some of that is because Christian Brown is a good defensive player, and all Denver needs around Jokic at times is good defensive players where you just fly around, do everything you need to do, 
run and transition a little bit, and then Jokic will do the rest. I think this is everything, personally. I think this is one of those situations where Christian Brown's advanced stats are never going to be good because he is a complementary wing. He is a player who, by all measurements, is not a good basketball player yet based off of advanced analytics. What I'm what I'm saying by that is his defensive numbers. He's not a massive steals guy. He's not a massive blocks guy. Definitely somebody that if you look at the defensive metrics, you are never going to like what you see. However, to me, he is one of those guys that you just have to watch. You just have to watch him work. You just have to see what he does. He makes hustle plays, things that don't necessarily show up in the stat sheet, things that are just great contests, or he bothered a player, or he shut down a drive, didn't necessarily log a stat, but he's one of those guys that's making winning basketball plays. And so Denver, when he's out there, when he's playing confidently, when he's playing that many minutes, it's pretty good. I think Denver should be trying to give him as many minutes as possible during this stretch where you have a bunch of home games, you have a lot of opportunities where you can give him extended run, put him in situations where he's guarding Jason Tatum or John Morant or uh, whoever. It could have been Anthony Edwards tonight. We'll never know. But when he is not playing 16 plus minutes, the Nuggets are only 12 and 12. To me, that says a lot about the rest of Denver's defensive personnel. They do not play good defensive basketball when Christian Brown does not play. That to me says a lot. That to me says that Denver should find more ways to play the versatile six foot seven wing, especially the guy that can play the two or play the four. Probably not the four as much, but he's mostly a 2-3. Somebody who can fill in at one of the most difficult places to fill in. Because right now, the Bruce Brown at three lineup, where you're playing two other small guards, or two other guards, not necessarily great. It's not my favorite thing. It doesn't have to be Christian Brown. It could be KCP. But I do think that Christian Brown's one of those guys that you want to give him more opportunities to be successful and to show what he can do because you may have to count on him in the playoffs. And if you don't think that you can, then like, why are you playing him right now in the first place? That's, I think that you can count on him. And so I think that you should continue to play him, should continue to find ways to get him on the court, playing with Jokic, playing with other stars and just making it work out there, making hustle plays. Number three, Nikola Jokic, when he grabs 12-plus rebounds, just 12, 13-2. and two. When he doesn't grab 12-plus plus rebounds, it's 11 or fewer, 10-9. and nine. Denver is better when Jokic is more aggressive. I don't think that he was as aggressive as he needed to be tonight. I think he got up shots. I think that's a little bit different. But in terms of trying to battle his way into the paint, making himself a presence underneath, I don't think he did a great job of rebounding the basketball tonight. I thought he was pretty lazy in the first half, where he grabbed only two rebounds, I'm pretty sure. And that stands out for a guy who led the league in rebounding last year. When he grabs those rebounds, when he is aggressive, the Nuggets are going to win. When he doesn't, I think that 
I think that it's a good way for Denver to give up possessions. It's a good proxy for which to see how Jokic, like what version of, of Jokic you're getting tonight. Because the first thing that Jokic does when he knows that Denver needs a win is he rebounds. He said it himself that he said that Denver, he shared a stat with them, that the Nuggets win. When they win, it's often because of the rebounding margin. So Joker tries to grab his rebounds. Tonight he didn't. And Denver is now 10-9 and nine as a result. I think that's a something stat. Maybe not a nothing or an everything stat, but a something stat for sure. Aaron Gordon, when he has under 10 field goal attempts, the Nuggets are 11-0. I think that this is a something stat as well. It's not quite an everything. It's not quite a nothing or anything like that. But this is one of those where you look at it and you think, okay, how arbitrary is that? What does that mean? What it says to me is that when Gordon is in the right place, spacing, it's not often to get a whole bunch of shots off. It's just so to give the the spacing that the defense, uh, like they, they can't just leave him because of what he's doing in the short corners, because of what he's doing in the dunker spot. If the offense is flowing well, you're getting shot opportunities for everybody, but mostly it's for Jokic, Murray, Porter, uh, Bones when he's out there. I think when Gordon focuses in on being more of a defensive player, more of a connector, as opposed to the scorer, Denver's better. Under 10 field goal attempts, 11-0. At times, he has had to score more. Last year, he had to score more especially. He's scoring even more now. But to me, I think that Denver's at their best when they're trusting other guys to do that, and Gordon takes on more of a defensive-minded role. To me, that's better. Then number five, Bruce Brown, when he has a plus, plus, minus, a positive plus, minus, the Nuggets are 16-0. When he has a negative plus, minus, a little bit different, a little bit more negative. Here's the thing. Denver's bench is so liable to giving up leads and being a negative in general that when you see something like that, Bruce Brown, obviously, he has started a little bit. Definitely not just a thing where it's entirely with the bench. But when he has a positive plus minus at all, whether he's with the starters or the bench, most of the time he's staggering with the bench, at least if he's a starter. Most of the time he's playing with the bench. When he is a positive plus minus, the Nuggets are undefeated. Because usually in those situations, Jokic is taking care of things. He's doing his job. He's helping out the starters. The starters are helping out him. That's just how it works. But when Bruce Brown is also in the plus, Denver just can't lose. That's when you know that the Nuggets are playing well. So if I were you as a fan, I I think this is an everything stat, not just a something. This is an everything stat. When Bruce Brown has a positive plus minus, that is a good thing for Denver. The problem is that he has a negative plus minus just as often as he has a positive, if not more so. And he also he always has that when he plays with the bench. It's very rare that he has a negative plus minus with the starters. When he plays with the bench, it doesn't usually work that well. 
I don't know if it's just a fit thing. I don't know if it's a Bones plus Murray plus Bruce kind of thing. I don't know if it's a Bones plus Bruce kind of thing. I don't know if it's the bigs that the Nuggets have. It doesn't necessarily feel like they have a guy that can really take advantage of Bruce Brown's skill set from the big man position. So Denver's got some work to do. Got to figure out that rotation. I think that there's still probably a need for a backup center. I had just said that there's hope for Zeke Naji at center. I think that that may be a hope that another team should have to take on. Denver in this situation, they need that help now. They need somebody who can really do this thing, who can be relied upon and can be consistent, can help out Bruce Brown, can help out Bones Highland, can be that focal point, that fulcrum that the team can rely upon in those situations. We will see if that happens. We'll see if they can make that work. But for now, that is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll brought to you by Superbook Sports. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Taking a break tomorrow. We'll be back on Wednesday, probably Wednesday evening, uh, to discuss whatever happened on practice on Wednesday and to see if any other news has dropped at that point. And we'll do a mailbag at that point. That could be that could be a good thing to do. We will see. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support on the podcast. As always, talk to you guys very soon.